Yeah, so we make this microprotein as an ingredient, right? So we're a B2B ingredients company. We don't make like uh, finished goods that you're going to find on the shelf in the supermarket. We're an ingredient provider to companies that will make those products. And so using our microprotein, you can make a steak. You can make a chicken breast. Welcome to Exploring Mind and Body with Drew Tadia. Drew is an expert in nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. And he wants to help you live a healthier, longer, and more active life. Now here's your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated Exploring Mind and Body. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. We're coming at you with a brand new show. We appreciate whether you're listening on terrestrial radio across the country or as a podcast around the world. We certainly wouldn't be here without you. So stick around. We got all that coming up. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to another edition of Nationally Syndicated, Exploring Mind and Body. We've got a brand new guest coming at you, so without further ado, welcome to the show, Paul. Drew, great to be with you, man. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. Super excited to jump into this topic. Let's do it. Tell us who you are, what you do. Give us, we'll give you a chance to resonate with our audience here. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Drew. So, uh, you know, let me just start out before just even telling you anything about myself. Let me just say, you know, look, the planet is not getting any bigger humanity's footprint on the planet is getting a lot bigger, but the planet itself isn't getting much bigger. And one of the primary ways that we leave that footprint is through our food print, principally in the amount of meat that we eat. It just takes a lot of land, a lot of water, a lot of greenhouse gas emissions to raise and slaughter all of these billions of animals for food. And the problem is that, you know, we got nearly 8 billion of us on the planet today, but within 30 years from now, presuming there's no catastrophe that uh, fells our numbers, we're going to have another 2 billion people on the planet. And they're going to want to eat meat as well. So what can we do? Like we have this really resource intensive food that is uh, taking up a lot of land, driving wildlife extinctions, driving climate change, uh, deforestation and more. And it's only getting worse. Meat demand is going up, not down. So just in the same way that I think we need to replace fossil fuel use with clean energy, we need to find ways to divorce meat production from animal rearing and slaughter. And so that's what my life is devoted toward. I've written a book on the topic. It's called Clean Meat, How Growing Meat Without Animals Will Revolutionize Dinner in the World. And I am the co-founder and CEO of a company in the space called The Better Meat Co., which uses fermentation to make meat-like products within hours. And so what we're doing is essentially taking potatoes, subjecting them to a special kind of fermentation that within hours creates a product that really does uh, look and taste like animal meat. And so we want to mimic the meat experience that people crave and enjoy without the need to raise all of these animals for food. So that's the basic premise of uh, what we're doing here at The Better Meat Co. And in my own life as an author as well, is trying to find ways that we can continue to satiate humanity's meat tooth, so to speak, without the need for animals. And is this, this a passion of yours? How did you get into it? You're like, oh, I just want to make the world a better place? Or how does that, how does that work? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, that, that's pretty much true. But I'll elaborate on that just for a moment. So making the world a better place to me means reducing the amount of suffering on the planet, right? So creating more happiness and less suffering seems like a good metric for how to make the world a better place. And there's just a huge amount of suffering that's associated with exploiting all these animals. Of course, it's the suffering that we inflict on these chickens and turkeys and pigs and cows and so on. But it's also the suffering we inflict on ourselves. Uh, you know, by having this type of an addiction to raising animals for food, we are 
putting humanity and our civilization at grave risk. I'll give you just one example, Drew. So the United Nations recently put out a report in which they it's called Preventing the Next Pandemic. And they offer what the top reasons the United Nations says are going to be the most likely causes of the next pandemic. And the UN says, number one, number one biggest risk factor, increasing demand for animal protein. Number two, they say, is intensification of agriculture, meaning confining more and more animals in smaller and smaller spaces. Because it, and then number three is the bushmeat trade, so slaughtering wildlife to eat them. So the numbers one, two, and three causes of the next pandemic that the United Nations predicts are all related to humanity's desire to eat meat. So if we want to reduce the risk of the next pandemic while also reducing the amount of misery that we're inflicting on these animals who are raising for food, a great way to do it is simply find ways that we can stop exploiting animals and yet still produce ample amounts of meat that everybody wants to eat. Okay, so what you would call meat would be something different than maybe a meat lover would call meat. <laughs> well, it depends. Um, I'm not so sure I would stipulate that. So like if you walk into a room and you flick on a light switch, you know, what you're after is the experience of light, right? You want an illuminated room. You're not thinking about whether that experience is being generated by fossil fuels or by uh, wind or solar. Like you just want light, right? I, I think the same is true with meat. Most people who eat meat want that experience. They're not sitting there thinking, ah, I'm so glad that an animal was slaughtered for this, right? If anything, if they do think about it, they might actually prefer that an animal not be slaughtered for it. But there are a few different ways that we can go about mimicking the current meat experience. So one would be growing meat from actual animal cells. So that's not a meat alternative. That's not a meat replacement. That's real animal meat grown from animal cells rather than from animal slaughter. And that's what the topic of my book, Clean Meat, is about. Another is to take plants and turn them into things that taste like meat. That's what companies like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat are doing. They're taking plants like peas or wheat or soybeans and converting them into things that taste like an animal's flesh so that, you know, it, it may not be actual animal flesh, but it gives the same experience to the consumer. And then there's a third way, which is what we at The Better Meat Co. are doing. So we're not going to the animal kingdom to get animal cells. We're not going to the plant kingdom to get plants like, pe like yellow peas. We instead are using the power of fermentation to take microscopic fungi. And just in the same way that a cow eats grass and converts it into a steak, our little microscopic fungi eat potatoes and they convert it into something that really looks like animal meat. And the difference is, though, that a cow takes more than a year of feeding her before you slaughter her, whereas our little microscopic fungi are harvested in mere hours after we start this process. And so you have a situation where we can create a meat-like food that is higher in protein than eggs, higher in iron than beef, mimics the texture of animal flesh, but zero cholesterol and no saturated fat. I mean, it's a true superfood that is not just like meat. It's actually better than meat because it gives you that same meaty experience without all the downside and baggage associated with raising and slaughtering animals for food. Okay, so what? I'd be interested to know what other ingredients you have in there to make your tell me what tell me what kind of meat you have yeah oh we call it microprotein so um you know you can use plants you can use animals or you can use fungi we're using fungi so it's called a microprotein and in short you know that ingredient is that microprotein is the primary star ingredient of anything that we make right that's the number one ingredient and it's a delicious whole food all natural product that is succulent people really enjoy it <clears throat> but we do add other things so if we want to make a, like a microprotein steak we're going to do things like add avocado oil. We're going to add 
uh, beet juice to make it red like a steak, but it's all natural. Like there's nothing that you would see on the ingredient deck that doesn't look like something that you might have in your own pantry, in fact. Um, so it's an all natural, simple process, except, you know, it seems like magic, right? Like to take potatoes and convert them into something that looks like meat within hours, but it's not magic. It's just science. What our microbes are really great at doing is converting high starch foods into high protein foods so they can eat uh, these potatoes, which are about 1% protein, and within hours convert them into a food that is actually 45% protein by dry weight. So this is a, a really wonderful process where we can continue to sustainably feed humanity the foods that they want to eat into the future with a tiny, tiny little sliver, a tiny fraction of the resources needed if we were raising animals for food. Okay, so allergens, some people need to avoid gluten, um, right. cor corn and wheat are a couple um, concerns for others? What, what do yeah. you have in that regard? Um, yeah, so there's no common allergens associated with our products. We don't use any of the common eight allergens in any of our processes, whether during fermentation or after. So uh, you're getting this all-natural whole food product that is really delicious and has no common allergens. Now, you know, look, I, I met somebody the other day who's allergic to garlic, right? So is, is garlic an allergen? I, I wouldn't go so far, but for that guy, it is. Uh, so you never know. There might be like, you know, tiny fractions of people out there who are allergic to something, but there's no common allergens associated with our production. So you have, so this is a replicate of a meat product. So would you have a chicken breast? Would you have a yeah. steak? Tell us what those, what that looks like. Yeah. So we make this mycoprotein as an ingredient, right? So we're a B2B ingredients company. We don't make like uh, finished goods that you're going to find on the shelf in the supermarket. We're an ingredient provider to companies that will make those products. And so using our mycoprotein, you can make a steak, you can make a chicken breast, you can make fish sticks and crab cakes and a whole host of other really great products. And so uh, interestingly, uh, Drew, are you familiar with the X Prize, the competition they have? No. Okay, so for those of you who like Drew, haven't heard of this, it's pretty cool. Check it out. But there's things, something called the X Prize, and it's these multi-million dollar prizes to try to crack really hard technological problems, like how to you know make a rocket that returns to Earth so you can reuse it, right? Like really hard problems. And they currently have a competition for a $15 million prize uh, uh, for anybody who can make a product without chicken that actually looks and tastes like a regular chicken breast because they recognize that raising animals for food is one of the most dangerous technologies that humanity is employing right now. Uh, so they want to find alternatives. And we at the Better Miko recently were named a semi-finalist in this competition. So now we are competing to be the finalist. But you can see how important this is that somebody's willing to give you $15 million in grant money if you can crack this nut. Well, through our fermentation, we are cracking and we are making uh, chicken breasts without the chicken. And that's good for the for the chicken, of course, but it's not so good for us. And it's good for the rest of the planet, too. So you can use our ingredients to mimic a whole variety of animal uh, type experiences. OK, so who's the other who's the other finalist? <laughs> uh, there's some really cool companies. There's several. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them uh, is a company that is called 3F Bio. They're in Scotland and they're doing some really cool things. Um, so they're running a special kind of fermentation using a different kind of fungi to uh, do something uh, to create uh, that experience as well. So um, they may be a competitor of ours in this competition, but I can assure you, Drew, uh, I'm rooting for them. And if they win, we'll be proud to lose to them. Uh, but, you know, I, I hope the better Miko wins, of course. But uh, the point is, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who are really trying to solve this problem, right? Like people, everybody knows that we need to find alternatives to fossil fuels. Like people are all investing in wind and solar and geothermal and more. 
But it's just as important to find alternatives to animal agribusiness. And we have to find ways to divorce meat production from livestock slaughter. And we can. We can. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. If you look back at ice, right, we used to have a natural ice industry. People would harvest ice from these frozen lakes and ship it in insulated boats all around the world. And there was there were barons of the ice industry uh, back then, like in the mid 19th century. And for thousands of years, the only way we had to get ice was out of nature. Then somebody invented refrigeration. And all of a sudden, you had a way to get that same experience of ice. But instead of from nature, you got it through human made technology, We cooled water down and produced ice. Well, the barons of the ice industry were livid over this technological innovation, and they railed against what they called artificial ice. And they warned people about the dangers. It's unnatural. It goes against God. It goes against uh, common decency. And you know they told people, don't use it. Well, in the end, we all know what happened. You, you fast forward to today, and we all have artificial ice makers in our homes. We call them freezers. We don't think there's anything unnatural about it at all. In fact, we would probably never consider living without one. But in the end, the experience is the same, right? It's just still ice. You get something that cools your beverage or whatever you want the ice for. Well, similarly, for thousands of years, the only way we had to get meat was out of animals' bodies. And now, through human-made technology, we are able to mimic that experience and create something that's even better, just in the same way that we would prefer to have so-called artificial ice, meaning human-made ice. Uh, we would prefer, I think, and in the future, I think people are going to sit there and think, I am so grateful that we don't have to subject the animals to these torturous conditions anymore in factory farms and in slaughter plants. I'm so grateful that we can enjoy meat without the need to cause so much suffering. And what, well, I guess, first of all, that's a pretty cool story. I, I never even, I like history. Never even considered that people actually sold ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. They shipped it from the U.S. all the way to India. They had these wow. boats that were really amazingly insulated. It was so cool, and there were fortunes that were made in this ice industry. And then, of course, fortunes lost. Um, you know, in some ways, it's not that dissimilar actually to what happened to whales. Right? We used to have a huge part of the American economy even before the United States, and we were uh, just colonies. A huge part of the American economy was whaling. Everybody was lighting their homes with whale oil, and people were really upset. Many people were concerned about the treatment of whales. There were letters from the editor in mid-19th century newspapers protesting against this inhumane practice, saying we're going to render these whales extinct. Well, you know, what ended up liberating whales from harpoons? It wasn't humane sentiment. It wasn't sustainability concerns. It was the invention of kerosene. Once kerosene was invented, we had a cheaper, cleaner way to light our homes than whale oil. And that's what ultimately decimated the whaling industry. And of course, then kerosene got displaced by the electric light bulb. And you know the evolution since then. But similarly, you know, we for a long time have had a part, big part of our economy based on uh, tormenting and slaughtering animals. Well, what if we could do for these animals what kerosene did for whales and render their exploitation totally obsolete? So it wouldn't involve people stopping lighting their homes or it wouldn't involve people stopping enjoying that meat experience. It just means getting it in a better, cleaner, more efficient way. What is your title at your business there? Uh, I'm the CEO of The Better Meat Co. And what were you doing before that? So I wrote a book uh, that I mentioned called Clean Meat. And after I wrote that book, I had a choice. The, the book really chronicles the work of the entrepreneurs, the innovators, the scientists, the investors who are all trying to race to build the first commercial, uh, commercialize the world's first slaughter-free meat. And so I had worked in the nonprofit realm primarily as a lobbyist for a long time. Uh, we're lobbying to get better agricultural sustainability bills, animal welfare bills, and so on. And I'm very proud of that work. But I really thought maybe there's more that technology will do to help free humanity from this problem that we have gotten ourselves into. And 
so that's why I wrote the book Clean Meat. And uh, I wanted to tell these innovators story. But after I wrote it, I really started wondering whether I should be merely chronicling the work of the people who I thought would save the world or simply to become one of them myself. And I chose the latter and have been running the Better Meat Co. for the last three and a half years. And so far, so good. So, okay, what do you tell people that you um, you must have some, um, not kickback, but what is it? You must have some upset people about this isn't real <laughs> meat. You know, sure. so I'm not really a hunter. And I'm a plant-based guy myself, to be honest with you. Cool. But you have people, I like to grow food. This is how I, I would compare. I like to grow food. And there, for me, there's not a whole lot. I mean, there's no nothing like growing your own food, watering it, harvesting it, and then eating it. I love that. But then you have the, the hunters and meat eaters that say, there's nothing like being out in the wild, shooting an animal, whatever they do with it, slicing it up and bring it home and eat it. Right. Okay, so that would be removed from their experience what would you say to them oh uh, well a few things so first of all i gotta say drew my wife is uh, just like you she loves growing food and so a lot of what we eat just comes straight from our backyard um so I- i'm with you on that second you know I- i'm less concerned about uh, the folks who are going out there and hunting than i am you know the tormenting of billions of animals in factory farms for months on end they can barely move and are subjected to, uh, to torturous conditions so bad, I won't really even describe them right now because I don't want people to turn this off, frankly. So, um, you know, the problem is that there's just not enough wildlife left out there for everybody to adopt that lifestyle. Like the portion of, of humans now who are hunters is minuscule. It's tiny. And if everybody wanted to get their meat that way, uh, we, there would be mass extinctions. And so, you, you know, you have to find a way to use fewer animals no matter what. Right. Like no matter what, if people want to continue eating anywhere uh, near the amount of meat that we eat today on a per person basis. And, you know, Americans are accustomed to eating meat every single day, usually more than one meal a day. Um, You know, and and people in China and India are now wanting to do that as well as they start to expand their middle class. You know, you got to find ways to provide meat that don't involve animals. That's the basic gist of it. And so I'm totally with you. Like, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, all uh, every that every single way that we procure meat is as bad as everything. But I I am saying that um, we have to find ways to either just for people to, you know, eat less meat. Right. So you can enjoy more bean and rice burritos and lentil soup and hummus. Those are great things to eat. But meat demand is going up, not down. I mean, that's the real problem. Meat demand continues to rise. And so if we want to satiate the meat tooth that people seem to have, we've got to find ways to give that experience without animals. And so, yeah, you know, there are always people who are threatened uh, when the status quo is questioned. Um, You know, like you're going to have in the same way, you know, you look, for example, at the film wars of the 19, uh, you know, look at the 1990s. You had Kodak, you had Canon vying for supremacy in the film world, right? And they both knew about digital, um, but Kodak was concerned that it was going to cannibalize its core business of negatives and dark rooms and the chemicals used to print all these photos and everything. Whereas Canon said, yeah, we think this might cannibalize our business, but we think it's the future. And so they invested in it. We all know what happened next, right? Kodak went bankrupt and Canon is now the largest manufacturer of digital cameras on the planet. They're still selling us the same thing, a way to capture our memories, right? We still get a way to capture our memories. It's just done in a way better way. Now we get photos instantly rather than having to wait hours or days. Well, similarly, you know, we could look at meat production the same way. 
And you're going to say, yeah, look, in the future, we're going to have still the meat experience, but it'll be done in a far more efficient way that everybody will prefer. And I, I doubt that many people sit around thinking that digital pics are fake photos or artificial photos, right? Like n- nobody says their cell phone is a fake landline. It's just a new way to provide the same experience, except better, right? We all prefer cell phones to landlines because it gives us a better experience. Same thing with digital photos. Um, so, and I think the same thing will be so for meat. It's not just that this will mimic the meat experience that we've been accustomed to. It'll actually be better than what we've been accustomed to. Do you remember going to the pharmacy and taking your little camera in and you go to your wee <laughs> yeah. You don't even know Dude. what was on the camera. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I, not, not only that, I remember being psyched when one hour photo came out. I was like, oh man, I couldn't believe it. I was like, magic, we're going to get our photos in one hour. It was insane. <laughs> You know, now imagine if it took one minute, like think about it. Think what happened if it took one minute to get your photo, the outrage that people would have, there'd be rioting. They would throw their phones in the toilet. Like it's just, you know, it's incredible what we become accustomed to. And maybe the same thing will happen with me. So let me ask you about collagen real quick that we're, we also produce this. We have a line of our own supplements and, um, that is maybe completely off topic, but the reason we haven't gotten to collagen yet is because of maybe what you're talking about here a bit is the animal production and. Mm-hmm. Maybe the mm-hmm. destruction of the oceans when it comes to fish or boat or marine collagen, for example. Yeah. Is there a way to replicate collagen? Or not not only, yeah, not only is there a way to do it, Drew, but there are numerous companies already doing it. So the most advanced is called Geltor. That's G-E-L-T-O-R. And they, through fermentation, grow actual collagen. Interestingly enough, when my book, Clean Meat, came out, they ended up printing a leather binding for the very first copy of the book. So it's the world's first and still only lab-grown leather-bound book. So keep in mind, the leather, you know, our skin and cow skin is primarily made up of collagen, right? That's like the primary protein in there. And so they grew this collagen to do a binding. And so we took that that copy of Queen Meat that was with the lab-grown leather binding, and we auctioned it off as this historic item, the world's first ever lab-grown leather-bound book. And uh, one gentleman purchased it for 13000 U.S. dollars, and 100% of the proceeds went to the Good Food Institute, which is a nonprofit charity designed to accelerate this space of uh, what's called cellular agriculture. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was like a big national news, not big, but it was a news story. Newsweek covered it and so on. So not only can you produce collagen without animals, people are already doing it. That's awesome. That's great news. So is this a manufacturer that produces it to buy or they just do their own products or, or maybe you don't know that? Uh, yeah, Geltor is now um, doing collagen primarily for like the human cosmetics market and less so for the um, uh, like consumption market, like, you know, consumption uh, orally. But yeah, supplements. Thank you. Um, but um, I know that their intent is eventually to get all the way down to you know doing prices where they can make gelatin for gummy candies, you know, at the same cost that. Uh, gelatin is still today. Collagen is the primary protein in gelatin. So um, they're not there yet. Like they're going into cosmetics first because it's a higher value application of their collagen. But their goal is to get down cheap enough that they could go into more like human consumption forms of it. Awesome. Very interesting. Thank you for that. I'll look mm-hmm. forward to that in the future. We'll hold off for now. <laughs> <laughs> we well, should contact them. It would be cool to talk to them. Yeah. I would uh, definitely reach out. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just check them out. They're a G-E-L-T-O-R. Okay. Um, let me ask you about, so you guys are, you're in a, tell me how this is produced. I'm interested to know what you said, you're B2B. So you're selling your product to businesses or manufacturers that then go ahead and make the finished product. Is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, 
That's right. And you know, to give you a sense of what it looks like, Drew, imagine that you walk into a beer brewery, right? You're going to have a whole bunch of, of uh, stainless steel equipment around, right? And it's going to be running fermentations. Only what they're doing is, you know, they're running fermentations to produce alcohol, uh, whereas we are running fermentations in stainless steel equipment to produce a, a type of uh, really high quality protein. And that has precedent going back many decades. You know, people have been running fermentations to produce proteins for many decades. And so what you would see, I, I, kind of, I call it like the Willy Wonka of meat when you come into our facility because you see all the stainless steel piping and there's protein coursing around in there and we harvest it and there's almost no processing that goes on. We basically remove water and chop it up. And then we can offer it to food companies for them to utilize in their ingredients so they can have high-protein, meat-like products that don't involve animals. So do you want to share some of the companies that are using your product? Yeah, sure. So we have been partnered with Purdue Farms, the chicken giant, for two years now where they sell a product that's half chicken and half plant-based. So it's a product that's called Purdue Chicken Plus. And if you can't get your kids to eat their veggies, each each serving of these chicken nuggets has a quarter cup of vegetables in there. And those products are now sold in 7,100 grocery stores, and they do quite well. People really enjoy it. In fact, the Food Network named it the number one best-tasting frozen chicken nugget in America. So think about that. The best-tasting frozen chicken nugget <laughs> is only 50% chicken. Like, what if all <laughs> chicken nuggets could be uh, hybridized in that type of a way? You would you know, need hundreds of millions, if not more, fewer chickens uh, to raise for all that food. Okay. Well, that's awesome. Congrats. First of all, thank um, you. And secondly, so I guess you, you don't control what they put in, but for me, one of the hardest things to do is find a, a nice plant-based burger that tastes good and doesn't have a bunch of sugar, soy, a bunch of yeah. toxins that I usually wouldn't consume, but that's probably, yeah, what, that's their you know, choice. It is their choice. We can't control how they use our ingredients. At the same time, I, I will say, Drew, that if you're interested in, if those are the two things you're concerned about, sugar and soy, um, a Beyond Burger has no soy and, and very low sugar. So uh, you can check that out. It's uh, you know all natural, um, and I think it tastes very good. So you can check that out and see what you think. Okay, for, so for you to come on, help me understand what you're trying to do here, raise awareness around a different type of eating, a different type of growing meat. So for you, in most cases, we'd have someone come on that is wants to get their message out to the end producer. But for you, it's more so you you need to reach the manufacturers. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, first, you know, I'd say that if you're interested in reading my book, Clean Meat, uh, you can buy it anywhere books are sold, or you can go to the book's official website, which is just cleanmeat.com. Again, that's cleanmeat.com. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the Better Meat Co., especially if you're in the food industry and you want to work with us to lighten your own footprint on the planet and to create better products that taste better and are healthier for the consumer, check us out at bettermeat.co and we send them a message through the website. Again, that's bettermeat.co and we welcome hearing from you. It'd be really wonderful to work together. So for so for someone like us, like that wouldn't you would need to have like a big manufacturing end of you like you wouldn't work with into small individuals that produce their own that's products. Right. Yeah, that's right. We would work with a food company that wants to uh, either create new products or change the formulation of their current products to put our uh, ingredients into them. And do you feel like that's industry is changing? I I'd imagine there's a big push. Yeah, I think, you know, to go back to the Canon and Kodak analogy, there are a number of meat companies today 
who are more like Canon than like Kodak. And they realize that they are protein providers, not necessarily animal slaughterers, right? Like for them, they think, hey, if we can produce meat without animals, why wouldn't we? And for them, they're agnostic as to how they get their protein. They just want to provide safe, good tasting, healthy protein to people. And uh, we can help them do that. So there's a lot of forward thinking meat companies out there um, that want to do better. And a lot of forward thinking uh, product manufacturers that utilize meat that want to maybe reduce the amount of animal meat that they're using and use ingredients like ours so that they can reduce their reliance on animal meat. So on animal meat. So those are uh, some of the folks that are like the folks most interested in working with a company like the Better Miko. And how do you reach out to these guys? So just cold calling or some of them come to you or? Uh, you know, they listen to your show, Drew, and then they contact <laughs> us and they're like, I'm a big fan of Drew's and now I want to talk to you. <laughs> well, ours is more of a holistic, plant-based type of show. So I don't know if you're going to get too many of them listening to the show. <laughs> oh, you never know. Uh, I, I'm actually quite surprised by how many plant-based people work in the protein industry. It, it's actually pretty surprising. I mean, really? I'm one of them. I, I, I've been a, a vegan since 1993. So I've, you know, I've been doing it for nearly 30 years now. Um, you know, I, I love working with these meat companies because uh, many people there want to do even better. Like they want to help become the Canon and they don't want to become the Kodak. And I want to help them do that. All right. That's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in and being a part of our True Form Life community. You can always find us on Facebook.com slash True Form Life. We post up there a couple times a day on our story. We're always trying to bring you more content around living a healthy lifestyle, whether that be nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and more. We also have free challenges that we do at least once a month. So if you follow us along there, you'll be able to join maybe a plank challenge or a squat challenge, Tabata challenge whatever it may be we'd love to have you join us we're also on instagram.com slash drew tadia again we're posting up there a couple times a day along with our story all dedicated to keeping you fit and healthy and on track our main website is trueformlife.com if you want to check out some of our products some of our services or if you just want some great content from videos to blog posts and recipes and more we got all that at trueformlife.com. Once again, thank you so much for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadio, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.